0: Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas podcast where attitude is everything on today's show. I told this young man that we were going to stare at each other for 15 seconds in uncomfortable silence and he could not even hold uh, hold a straight face. He was laughing already and that's the reason why I wanted to have him on the show. This guy brings so much joy into my life since the first time that we met uh, that we met. He doesn't like me that much because every time I come to town, his team loses. Um, So he doesn't invite me to football games anymore. He doesn't allow me to go to uh, Alabama football games, but he allows me up in his house. And uh, this is like a little brother to me. Um, uh, When I say a little brother, probably like a son, (laughs) you know, as far as age-wise. He's like uh, probably like a grandson. Uh, So he's going to give me a real hard time today. But the joy that this man has um, for life and what I said to him the other day, I said, you are. Uh, this is going to be the first person on the podcast that has actually passed away, and so we're going to jump into that. But please welcome Patrick Brown to the podcast. What's up? How you doing, buddy?
1: Man, just chilling. Just right just on, chilling.
0: right on, man. Yeah. I want. I want to jump right into it because, uh, like, I believe that in the event that you can't um, poke fun at it, laugh at it, then you won't be able to get through it. We laughed about it the other day. It's not a laughing yeah. matter but we are going to talk about something that you're literally the first person that's ever been on the podcast that has died. And I want to jump I want to jump right into that like a lot of times people will, will walk around it and then we'll get to that point but this was a huge thing. I remember getting I remember talking with your pop and can you talk to us about this man and and uh you know what I think what's so incredible is not only did you learn a lesson but also you're doing something about it and you're making the generations that come behind you uh, have a a, a lot better situation. So can you tell us about it?
1: Yeah, so I mean, a year ago on March 1st, yeah, March 1st, uh, I overdosed on a fentanyl uh, long run. I don't really remember a whole lot. I was on a ventilator for two days. So when I woke up, I mean, it was just like, It's an unreal feeling. I don't even know how to explain it. Um, And, like, I don't – oh, gosh. All I know is that drugs and everything – I mean, I I spent two years of my life just, like, numbing feelings and everything. And I went out one night uh, upset. I would actually – A month prior, I had a miscarriage uh, with my girlfriend at the time. So that whole month, man, it was just every night going out, drinking. I'd work, drink some more. And when I start drinking, everything is a great idea. I'm telling you. I mean, you want to jump off the building? Let's go. I'm down. Let's jump. I'll be like, I'm going to jump off a higher one than you. I promise. (laughs) And so I don't know what. I mean, I know what I took. It was fentanyl. they said I had enough in my system to kill like four people. So it's pretty crazy. I'm still here. Um, I got back home from the bar. I tried to drive, which was probably one of those great ideas I had, you know, (laughs) I was probably like, you know, I can't walk, but I promise I can drive. (laughs) Just get me the car. I can drive. Oh, there's traffic. I got it. You know? (laughs) So I tried to drive home apparently, and this is all what I've heard from people. And uh, laying on the couch, and it's crazy that, like, how it all happened. the guy that pretty much ended up saving my life wasn't even supposed to stay at this house that night. And uh, I was laying on the couch. And he said that he woke up just randomly, and I was just choking on my vomit, uh, couldn't breathe. They had to start mouth to mouth. I kind of wish they wanted to like put their mouth on me or something breathe through. Too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, started mouth to mouth, and uh, they were going to call the ambulance. I mean, it, it's so all of it's so crazy the way that I'm still here, you know. Mm-hmm. So. They, call, they were going to call the ambulance, and the guy was like, call the ambulance, call the ambulance, and he was like, no. Like, he's not going to make it. Put him in the back of the car. So they put me in the back of the car, and they drive me to the hospital. And when they got there, they said, the doctors, nurses, whoever it was, was like, if you would have called the ambulance, he would have been dead. Like, we would have not got him back. So they – Put me in, I go under, I code. First time I was out for three minutes and something seconds. Um, They get me back and uh, I went into like a diabetic coma or something like that and went back out for 30 seconds. And then just was on, I couldn't breathe on my own. I mean, I was was done for, I should have been. And I woke up two days later on the ventilator.
0: Now, do you remember any of this? Like, uh, do you remember that you were talking about that you have great ideas? Um, obviously, when you're drinking, all, all ideas are great. Um, you had the great idea not to walk, but you were going to drive. Um, so when did, it, when did you check out? When did it go blank? Um, and was there that, like, you know, when you said that you coded for the three minutes and then another 30 seconds... Was there the normal, like, when I say the normal, but people say, like, you know, I was, I could see myself, um, I was looking down a tunnel, um, I was uh, above the room. Did you see any of this stuff?
1: Uh, I know, that's the first question. Last thing I remember, I was, thought it was a great idea to go up and talk to my (laughs) ex-girlfriend. That's the, bar, that's the last thing I remember. I wish I could trigger it that too. Um, <laughs> I was like, I couldn't have blacked out before that, man. <laughs> uh, you know, that was one that, like, I get that question all the time about, like, what did I see? Did I see the big light and everything? And there was, like, there was that out-of-body experience, and I try to explain it to people, but it sounds like a lie to me. <laughs> because it's like, unlike, it's unexplainable. Like, I'm like, no, that wasn't right. Like, I feel like I changed the story every time. And I'm like, because there's no words and there's no like, there's, yeah, there's no, no words for like what it was like. It was It's an unreal feeling. I mean, I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it. I'm sitting here trying. And I'm just, well, like,
0: I, I love the, con- and I'll give you some context, guys. This man is from Alabama. He is from Tuscaloosa. That's like real Alabama. And yeah, if we have a
1: few words in the first place. You know,
0: no, no, no. But what I'm saying is, like, real, real Alabama. If you would have told all your boys that you were hanging out with in school, yo, man, I had this out of body experience. They would have smacked you in your head and been like, "You are crazy, Patrick. You've been, you just been crazy." And Patrick is crazy anyway. That's what I love about you. You're, you're crazy with joy. You are just a light. And even when we're talking, like, I'm not laughing at the situation. And for all you listening. Patrick and I are family, so when I'm saying like, dude, you're laughing about probably one of the most serious times. You're like, yeah, I wish I wouldn't have talked to my ex girlfriend. Tell me about the conversation with the ex girlfriend that you remember. Did you have some wh- whack line? Did you roll? Did you roll up and try and spit game or what was it? Or were you in slow motion?
1: I asked her to buy me a drink. I'm not really sure. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, and then I did it. Well, I thought it was a great idea because her boyfriend was sitting right next to her. So I was like, "Oh, look, i got to sit next to both of them. I'm just trying to have a conversation with both of them. You know, I'm probably flirting. Knowing me, I mean, I flirt to a wall. <laughs> I just know it got real hostile, and I was just like, still laughing, probably. So, and just
0: <laughs> so you you wake up. You wake up two days later. How do you wake up? Do you wake up to your dad? Because I know you're pop, and pop pop is real as a day is long, but you know, I mean, did you wake up to your pop being like, yo, you better wake up, boy. Like, you know, or how was it? What was, what was the thing? What was the first thing you saw?
1: All right. So, well, the first thing I saw, so they had to like, uh, like restrain me because my mom and them all knew that as soon as I was like saw a tube down my throat, cause I woke up on the ventilator, I was going to grab it and rip it out. So I wake up and I'm like held down. And my biggest fear is not being able to walk again to be paralyzed. Like it's my biggest fear, and so I look up and look just look, look at my mom, and she's like, she said that she knew what I was thinking. She's like, "You have your legs. I promise they're down there." <laughs> 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 and that was the first thing I said. Like, I mean, didn't even say anything. I mean, I got a tube down my throat. I'm like, and she's like, "Your legs are there. Your legs are there." And I was like, "All right, I'm going back to sleep." And I slept for another six hours, and then. When I woke up, they're like, I call it the octopus tube because it felt like they were just like pulling it and pulling it like a magic trick. And I was like, oh, my God, how deep was that thing in my throat? And, uh, yeah, I think, you know, the first surreal, like, feeling, I, I mean, I cried. I don't cry, but, like, that was the first thing that happened to me because I did not know why I was there. Like, I had no clue that no I was
0: you you weren't no, no. thinking like the the boyfriend uh, clunked you over the head with something because you no. were trying to spit game at his girlfriend uh, right beforehand.
1: I mean, it's either that or maybe I jumped off that roof I was talking about. Thought <laughs> was a great idea. Do you remember? Driving?
0: Do you remember? Do you remember taking the fentanyl? No.
1: no. Oh well, yes, I do remember that. Um, I th- I thought it was something else. You know. Um, what did you think it was? Well. It, Back in my day, or I say my day, like I'm that old, um, we like crush up pain pills. They're just normal pain pills. And so someone, you know, one of the guys I was with told me it was an opioid. And I'm thinking, like, the people I hang out with, you know, like, we like to have fun, uh, but we don't do fentanyl. Like, I'm not hanging out with anybody who just does fentanyl on the regular. So uh, me being me, and I have to outdo everybody and everything, I just – lay out a really big line and just hit it. And no one stopped me. Everybody else knew what it was, but no one decided to stop me. And, um, Yeah. I remember doing it. I can, like, you know, one of the first things I did after my parents finally let me get in the car and drive again uh, was I went to that parking spot because it was in somebody's car. So, like, I remember that part very vividly.
0: Another pause for station identification and shameless promotion. This episode is also brought to you by Finley cars of Las Vegas. I tell you the next level in the car buying experience. And not only that, but the life of your car, the service that you're going to experience is incredible. It's Finley Volvo cars, uh, LV.com, and also brought to you by uh, Bling Shine Serum, the only product on the market that will add weightless moisture, strength, and shine, and the only uh, product that has the endorsement of my mama. When I showed her all the features and benefits, she smelled it, and she said, this is the greatest product that you've ever done, and I thought, Mom, do you not uh, look at the features and benefits? She said, no, if it smells like that, it must work, and I tell you, every single woman needs a little bit of bling in their life, and this can be purchased at KellyCardinaSalon.com. So when you, when you went through too, t- talk to us too, because this, this is one of the things that's, that's more common than we would think, right? When you're talking about the pain pill part, when you're talking about crushing up, you're hanging with your boys. I mean, you come from a phenomenal family. I know your pop. Um, yeah. if your pop would have known you were crushing some stuff up, he would have whooped that butt. Like, I know your yeah. pop. And he wouldn't have just whooped that butt. Like, your pop is, I remember the first, one of the first times he picked me up from the airport and we drove from Birmingham to your house. He, I, I, my nose was running a little bit. I said, you know, Robert, do you have a, a, a tissue? He's like, yeah, yeah, in the glove compartment. I reached in the glove compartment, there were like two guns in the glove compartment. <laughs> I, was, I was so freaked out. I was scared. I was like, what's he? He's about to take me someplace. You know what I'm saying?
1: He's like, last time you're going to wipe your yeah. nose,
0: <laughs> <laughs> So talk to us about young Patrick growing up because you grew up, I mean, you have a, a family, a loving family. Um, you have a loving pop, a loving mom. You got a great sister. Um, you know, you guys fight a little bit at times you and your Cisco at each other and <laughs> stuff like that but you're you're in that place how does this how does this happen how does this transpire um you know does it does it start off with alcohol and then it moves into or or talk to me about that from a young age
1: let's see i mean like see like growing up through like elementary school i was a a nerdy kid you know uh I was quiet to be honest. Like, well, I wasn't quiet when I was at home. I mean, my mom would tell you that I was, you know, raising Cain all the time and I'm sure that's true. Um, and I was like, I mean, I come from one of those elementary schools where, you know, you got picked on and everything like that. And I had a couple of friends that were popular and they kind of like brought me around with them. And, uh, you know, I just started, I honestly, I think about it all the time. Like, I like being mean was making me the cool kid. And then when I got to high school, it was like, how many girls you could get or uh, throw in the best parties and everything. So I picked up on that because I wasn't good at sports, really. Uh, so I wasn't an athlete. I definitely wasn't the smartest kid in school. Um, so I was like, okay. I can be popular because I can throw really great parties. I'm social as I'll get out. I'll talk to a brick wall. <laughs> you know, I was like, all right, here's my lane. I need to stay in it. So, I mean, I would just throw parties all the time, uh, go to a bonfire in the middle of the field. Like you said, I'm from Alabama. I mean, we pull off on a dirt road. I'm like there's times there would be a dirt road. <laughs> everybody like, where's the party at? I'm like, everybody stop right here. It's right here on the side of this road. This is where the party is. <laughs> send me the address. There is no address. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, yeah. And so it just, it was, it's a trickle effect, you know, drinking all the time was okay. And then I get to college and it was smoking pot. Like I hadn't really dabbled in the hard drugs yet. And, uh, I remember the first time I ever did cocaine, uh, and that's where it all started. It was like, I like to go fast. As you like, you know me, I'm, Boom, 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 just naturally, and so it was the cocaine, and I I remember the first time, and I was, I kept on chasing that high, and chasing that high, and then it was like, okay, that wasn't enough, like, how do I chase it some other way, and uh, it ended up becoming so bad that I'm really ADD, as you know, and I was on Adderall, and I was working two doctors at once, and so I was getting them both to give me prescriptions, I was taking 170 to 200 milligrams of Adderall a day, just to go. I moved to Atlanta for work uh, and I was working all the time and I was the head of operations, I ran the business and I was like trying to pull us out of this debt and this is where it all goes downhill. And uh, so I was thinking that the drugs were making me better. Like I had convinced myself that this can't be bad because I'm better. I can work till three o'clock in the morning, and get up at five, Like, who said this was bad? This is great. And um, <laughs> so it was just like, and I was like deteriorating my mind. I mean, I wasn't sleeping ever, um, wasn't eating. I like, got down to like 180 pounds. I'm six two, so, I mean, I was pretty skinny, like no muscle at all. Um, and then it was just like finding, uh, it was my rhythm. It was go home, drink, hit something, and just go back to work.
0: How were and you – how Patrick, how were you hiding this? Because there's so many people. What are some of the signs? What are some of the things that, you know, parents that are out there that are listening that are saying, my kid's in high school, my kids are maybe – what are some of the things that you could help a parent to be able to start to see in their kid – to be able to say, like, hey, maybe there's some challenges happening or to be able to head this off at the pass?
1: I mean, one of the things I used to say, I, so when I went to rehab and it's kind of my realization of, like, how I hit it, is, like, you have these people that are, like, you know, I'd go steal copper and do all this to get drugs, and and it was not. I was, like – oh, well, I have money and I have a good job and I have all this. And so I was using that to justify what I was doing. You know, I was like, oh, well, I'm fine because look at me, you know. And so I think the biggest thing where I just like my parent, my mom and dad really wouldn't say much because they didn't know if it was the Adderall or not or if I just like just took an Adderall, they thought I was taking it normally. And I would always get so defensive. I'd be like, I'm just tired and I'm just, you know, strung out on work. I mean, I was blaming it on everything else, but like coming to the facts. And I think that was just the best way to hide it. And because I'd be like, well, if I was on drugs, I probably wouldn't be, you know, having my job. I would have lost my job and da-da-da-da and all this. But, man, I would defend it till, you know, to death, obviously.
0: So when you, when this, when this happens, you wake up, you find out you have your legs. Um <laughs> yeah, thank god they're <laughs> so you're 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 good there so you think what is the first what's the first steps for you because i mean it's it's a you know a step back process i mean you're a year out but you're i mean you're doing some phenomenal things tell take us through this th- these stages and what you had to go through and what you were having to go through mentally what you have to go through emotionally and why you want to give back as much as you do
1: Yeah um You know, one of the – I spent, like, the last year, like, really learning myself. And I think that was – that's the biggest thing I had to do is, like, I think as people, we – it's easy for me to talk to you and get below surface level because, like, I don't want to hear those bad things about myself. Like, I don't want to believe it even though I know it's true. And I'm the only one who, like, really knows if it's true. And so when I woke up, you know – and this kind of hit me the other day really hard. And I was thinking about it cause my one year's coming up, you know, the overdose did not scare me. It was waking up being tied to the bed and like, so lost and helpless and just like, I mean, just, just done for it. I was at my breaking point, and just seeing myself finally like that, like in the flesh, I was like, this is what I feel like inside. Like, this is what I've been feeling like inside. And I went like that for, like, two years, just going through the motions and, you know, finding anything to numb myself and just denying the fact that, like, I was lost as a person and I was, uh, you know, just running away from myself and, like, instead of facing the facts. And so that was my first step, was admitting that, like, I I was lost and I was broken and I was missing God in my life and uh, like all the good things and uh, so that was obviously the first step and I started going to therapy and you know like you said I'm from Alabama so like even saying you're going to therapy is like, <laughs> you didn't do it
0: yeah, yeah, yeah that's not a Tuscaloosa thing right no that's not, not right. yeah and,
1: and so you know I like I was like there's something wrong with me like. I'm depressed or something. And I just didn't want to say it. And I was embarrassed to say it. So, you know, I went in and I got help and I started talking to a therapist. I still do. I think therapy is like the best freaking thing ever. Um, and then from there I've just kind of learned, you know, I got to take care of myself. And like, in order to be like selfless, you have to be selfish at times. And so, yeah, because, I mean, the worst thing ever is waking up in a room and just everybody you love just looking at you hurt. And you're like, I hurt all these people because, like, I couldn't take care of myself. Like, I wasn't being selfish at all. And I need to be selfish about myself at times and taking care of myself. And so, like, literally the last year I took a lot of time, you know, just developing emotions is really all it is. And like, because I had two emotions, I was either really happy goofing around or I was pissed off at the world. You like, I come in the office and it's like, don't even talk to him today. He's got that look on his face. Like he's going to, th- he will throw the desk at you somehow. <laughs> and so developing emotions, man, I learned, I started learning like when I was upset, like I did not know what being upset felt like, like, cause when I was upset, I was just pissed off like, you know, like I was just angry. Like I knew two emotions, angry and happy. Like it just all, it went one way or the other. So I was like, am I upset about something? Am I just feeling down? Like, how do I process this? Which way do I go? Cause there's different ways. And so, and, and that has led me to where I'm at, you know, especially like running a business and you know, I'm a contractor. So I'm kind of back in that world where you you're either pissed off or angry if you've ever met a contract. <laughs> I mean like I mean, there's really you're just mad all the time, you know. Uh and so it has helped me so much with my, my my people that work for me, you know, my guys, I love them to death and I you know, I welcome them into my office, I want them to talk to me and that has helped me out so much. And knowing my own emotions, I don't affect my crews at all or the way I talk to people because I know if it's not a good idea for me to be on the phone a whole lot that day. Good until someone takes me off. <laughs> and uh yes, that's
0: Here we go again with the shameless promotion. This episode is also brought to you by Piper Diamonds. For all your jewelry needs, my necklace that I get complimented all over the country and all over the world, uh, my pennant was made by Piper Diamonds Company. This place is absolutely phenomenal. When you're looking for that special something for that special someone, Piper Diamonds is the only answer. It's PiperDiamonds.co. And it's also brought to you by Kelly Cardina Salon in Las Vegas and in Chicago. This is top level service, guys, without the ego and hands down, the greatest shampoo experience that you will ever have in your life. This will create uh, an evangelistic uh, type experience. You will be talking about this for years and years to come. The wash house, uh, completely separate area, com- uh, different sound systems, soundproofed head, neck, and shoulder massage. You will be over the moon with your experience and you can uh, schedule your appointment at Kelly kellycardinasalon.com. Enjoy the rest of the episode. So, talk to uh, talk to us too. I think one of the one of the biggest fears for any son is to um, scare your mom. Is yeah. to you know take your mom through something like and literally like as boys, I, I know this. I mean, well, I, I, I lost my mom about two and a half years ago, um, but I, I literally like you. You could you could cut my arm open. You could cut my leg open. I could deal with the pain. But to see my mom's face when I cut my leg open is more than the pain would be. Does that make sense? Talk yep. talk to us about that. You coming through this? Um, how did that? How did that affect you? Take us into the emotional state of because I I couldn't imagine what your mom was going through. Your mom is a saint. I mean, I love your mama to death. She is hilarious. Um, but let's talk about that.
1: Uh, so that was actually one of the hardest things because. Uh, we were supposed to go to a con the night I overdosed, I went to a concert. And my mom was so excited about it. She got it was me and her. We were gonna go. And we had the best weekend ever. I sat on the couch with her all weekend. We uh got an air fryer. So that was a big deal. You know? <laughs> like I mean, we were air frying everything, fruit. <laughs> Go get some grass, put it in the air fryer. Let's see what it tastes like.
0: Wait, wait, wait. They, they allow air fryers up in Alabama? I thought that they yeah. that, would, that would be outlawed. That would we be had, like
1: – We had to sneak it in. Okay, all right. Room.
0: That's what I was thinking. You had to make it gas-powered. You had to make it gas-powered. So
1: Okay, so you're air-frying. Um, and so my dog was actually giving birth, or she was pregnant, and she started showing signs. And someone was like, I can't go. Just go ahead and invite your friends and everything. And I was like, are you sure? Are you sure? Dad had finally went and done something for himself. He went to a race in California. And so we like, were like, go, 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 go. And he ended up going. So it was just me and mom. Well, I go out that night and, uh, you know, I overdose. And uh, everybody's trying to call my mom. And she's world's worst at picking up the phone like ever. Ever. <laughs> I used to always tell her something happened to me. I was like, I mean, I guess I'm just going to die. I guess I shouldn't have ever said that. <laughs> Cuz I think like, you're not going to answer the phone. And um I remember when the last, well, it was the last thing I said to my mom was uh leave the light on for me. I'll be home later. Mm-hmm. You know, the front porch light. And so uh which kind of goes later in the story and uh she uh she everybody was calling her and calling her and calling her one of my best friends well one of the guys called my best friend and he was like i'm just gonna go to his house i guess i gotta wake up his mom and at this point the doctors are telling everybody like i'm probably gonna be dead all right so my best friend's having to drive to my mom's house or my parents house and say and wake her up and probably gonna have to say hey patrick died well luckily he's calling her on the way and she ends up answering and he was like you need to get to the hospital now and she was like i just talked to the hospital on my way and what they told her basically was you need to throw on whatever's beside you and get here now like he's probably not gonna make it and so uh i mean that's hard i mean i get choked up thinking about it and uh 'Cause she was all alone. My sister was in California, my dad was in California and it was just her. And uh she got there. Uh you know, obviously my mom's freaking out, frantic, doesn't know what to do. I mean I could I mean I could see it now and just upset and uh anyway, it just it went on and the first thing I said to her was <laughs> uh, Hey, don't leave the light on for me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so now every time i come home late i wish i would have never said that because i I can't ever see my keys yeah i'm like you like she she thinks it's a bad omen to leave the light on for me uh you know and just seeing her i mean we cried i mean i i was in and out before i really woke up and needed to know if i had my legs or not um i was like coming to and uh my childhood best friend, I, I know this probably upset her. He, uh, great dude. He's been through some really tough stuff. And, uh, his fiance passed away the day, uh, he proposed to her and, uh, been with me my whole life. And I just remember, you know, that's one of the things that pulled me, pulled me out. I've spent a lot of time. And, uh, cause I was like, I can't do this to him again. Cause I think there's a point where, I know there's a point where you get to basically choose if you're going to fight or not, you know. And I think at that point in my life, I was just done. I was, I didn't care if I died or not for the longest. Like, I wasn't going to self-harm myself, but it was like, I'm going to drink and drive, and then I'm going to go down the curviest road and see how fast I can hit it, you know. Like, and if I die, I die. And I remember kind of thinking, like, I don't think I want to come back. Until my mom grabbed my hand and I was like, they're like wheeling me somewhere. And she grabbed my hand and then he grabbed my hand and I was like, uh uh-uh. uh, we gotta get out of this now. Like, <laughs> I gotta get out of this hole. I just put myself in. And I remember from there, like subconsciously, it was just like a fight. Like, it was like, no, like, I need to get out of here. I need to change my life and not just change my life so I can live. Like, I need to really live. And do what I'm set
0: here to do. What would your, what would your message be to two, two different types of people? One person that's in that struggle that I had a friend that told me, uh, that they were doing, uh, doing cocaine and they were heavily addicted to it. And I said, what was the downside? And he looked at me and he was like, there isn't any, he said, I can work longer. I could do more stuff. Um, all these things, it, it, it scared me when he told me that because I knew that he was susceptible again, right? So he had, he, had, he had been gone from it or he had stepped away from it. But when I asked him, he was like, there, there's really no, no downside to it. Um, what would you say to that person? And then the other person is the person that's maybe just starting out on that journey of getting sober. Um, what messages would you send to those two people? So let's start with the first one, that the person's in it and they're going through it. And maybe they haven't hit rock bottom, as you say, um, and they haven't made the choice to be able to change. What would you say to that person?
1: I mean, <clears throat> I think it's honestly it's so different for every person, you know, and you just kind of got to feel about. I mean, there are some if you could have told me a thousand times and, you know, everybody, I mean, talking to even a preacher, you know, even talking to God. I know I would just refuse to listen. And I think it's a whole lot. I'm just trying to understand, you know, and honestly, I would just, my whole thing is I'm going to tell my story. Cause you end up there. Like it's either you quit or you end up in the grave. And you know, you know, my dad and I'm this, I'm him. And we're cut and dry to the point. And it's like, you stop or you're dead. Like there's no in between. And it's not just being dead, like in the grave, but it's like being dead, like, you know, in the flesh and, and it's cause I've been there and I think that's pretty much what I would, I mean, I would just say that to anybody that's like dabbling in it. Cause you don't just dabble. Yeah. Like there is no such thing as dabbling in it. Like you're in it. I mean, first time it goes up your nose. I mean, I think you get one time and that second time is when you're in it. Cause you can either do it once and be like guilty conscience. That was the worst I've ever felt. Or you're like, dude, dude, I could have ran a marathon. I mean, I'm going to hit that shit again. <laughs> hey, let's hit and go to the ball. Hey, I might hit into and do it. Read a book, <laughs> you know, like, and so there's no dabbling in it. And it's just like this ongoing effect. And it's cause just like your buddy said, it's like, it's great. It makes you feel like super human and just like it's great in the moment. You know what I'm saying? But then you, you, you start looking at all the decisions you make and that would, that's, One of the biggest things I try to tell people, I'm like, has anything ever good happened when you were high or drunk? Like, there's always something bad that happened. And it's like, you don't go to the bar and, like, something good happened. And you don't do drugs and something good happened. Like, it just doesn't happen. Like, people who tell you that are freaking lying. (laughs) Like, it's like, I found a million dollars, but you did get hit by a truck trying to get the million dollars, right? Like... (laughs) I mean it's just it's just real life. Like, my dad told me that all the time. He's like nothing good ever happens in a bar. And I'm like, Well, I had a good time though. And it's like, yeah, but you always also pissed everybody off and you're single now. And it's like
0: <laughs> I love your dad. Your dad your dad is gangster, man. Your dad I cannot I cannot wait to have him on too. Um so
1: And yeah, I mean that's basically all I mean. It's just nothing. I mean, once you realize that, and you start sitting back and thinking, because I was like, I thought I talked better when I was drunk or high. I thought, like, literally, I could finesse my way into anything. I was like, give me a beer. I'm gonna finesse this into this situation. I can't finesse us out of it, but I'm gonna finesse us into the situation. <laughs> I like, mean, hey, that's on y'all to get us out of the situation, but I can get us in it. <laughs> and I mean, it just you know, once you it feels so good to realize who you are sober, you know, and it takes time. You're not going to like, when I was in rehab, I was the angriest person. You, you know, I just look at people and I honestly think half of them were like, when is he going to leave? Like, we're tired. of <laughs> him." Like, I mean, I just was mean. And it's because I was like, I hate who I am sober. And it took two weeks. And I was like, wait, I'm thinking actually more clear than I was when I was high because I didn't believe I could. And it's like, it's just realizing, you know, first of all, it's realizing you're loved, you know, no matter what. And then, you know, that you are like, there's a purpose and all this and that you don't need a stimulant or a downer or anything like that to just keep on going. And, you know, that's how I figured it out. And, and well, I had to figure out the hard way (laughs) and That's
0: all it was going to take. (laughs) So, so what would you say to the, to the person who's coming out of it and is, is is struggling? Um, You know, they're coming out of it. They've made the decision, Hey, I want to get clean. Um, You know, and, and they're working through it. You seem to have this uncommon joy, man. And that's honestly like, it's one of the, I, I love you anyway, but it's, it's one of my favorite characteristics about you is no matter what it is, we could be talking about anything. You know, we were talking about your dad's truck and you would just be laughing and have a little bit of joy to you. And, you know, you would just be covered in this joy. What would you say to that person that's coming out that's in that struggle that's like it's literally day to day or minute to minute or second to second for them staying clean?
1: Yeah. You know, it's kind of like what you just said. It, it, I mean, that's how I get through it is I, I I find my joy. And the thing about an addict is you're always an addict. <laughs> And so we're, you're an addict in all forms of way, you know, I turned into a work addict and all this kind of stuff. And I had to change, I, you got to change your perspective on it. It's like, you're going to be addicted to something, but just find something good to be addicted to, you know? And so, (laughs) I mean, I, I would just, and I've told that people this, I'm like, find something else good to be addicted to, you know, make, make that your passion. And like mine did has turned back into work, but on a positive level, you know, like I want to help people. I want to give some people something to work for, you know, my business set up where it's like, it's not just mine, it's theirs, you know? And so I've turned that into my passion and my addiction and like, you know, there are days that it gets so hard. I mean, I'm just cutting dry and real about it. And I think that's a big thing about it is when you're hurting or when you're feel like you're about to relapse is to be honest about it. You cannot tough through it alone. Like you can. And two days ago I was like sitting in my office and just had this, I think the thought that went through my head was if it was in front of me right now, I would do it. And first thing I did was Google a meeting and I went to a meeting. And I had people around me who understood and like had felt the same way I'd felt, and it wasn't like going to talk to someone who was never an addict and then being like, "Yeah, it's hard, it's hard." It's like, but you don't understand, you know. And you so you got all these people that are in here, and they're all telling stories, and you find that it's so weird. So sometimes you find joy in a meeting. Yeah. You know, it's cause like it's like, hey, I'm messed up. You're messed up. Like, okay, there's other people like me. It's not just me, and I'm not the only one. And so, it's really just being cut and dry and and honest with yourself, which is the hardest thing to do as people is just to be honest with yourself. And uh, and then it's just finding the joy in every little situation, man. There's so many times on job sites where it's like. That usually would have made me explode, make me want to go, you know, do something bad. And I and I've just got to where I just laugh about it. I'm like, well, at least the house didn't fall down. You know, it wasn't the whole house that fell down. <laughs> it was part of it. <laughs> it so, fell down on our stuff, but you know, it could have fell down on their stuff too. <laughs>
0: so, so, Patrick, what's the worst thing for a non addict to say to an addict? <laughs>
1: they are. Oh, you can just quit. It's easy. <laughs> just quit. You know. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> you know, some, I heard people tell me that all the time. Like, well, why don't I just like not punch you in the face, but I really want to, you know, like, don't tell me that dad, used to tell me that stuff all the time. And I was like, Oh, dad, Robert. <laughs>
0: but, but you know, if you would have punched him in the face, what would happen?
1: You know yeah, know he I mean? probably did it with a shovel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I remember the first time my mom whooped me. <laughs> or, oh, not the first time. It was the last time she whooped me. And I, grabbed, I thought it was a great idea to grab the belt. And she called dad. And dad don't come home from work early, you know? <laughs> and he came home from work early that day and he was, yeah, you man enough to grab the belt. We man enough to get in the yard and fight. And I looked at my mom like, hey, you can whoop me. I swear to God I'm gonna grab the belt again. <laughs> you know, better grab your knees and let her go to town. <laughs> I mean, I've seen it when he gets mad, I he can pick up a house, so I'm done at yeah. that point.
0: Yeah, I ain't I ain't trying. That's why I'm I'm. me and your pop are real good friends all yeah. the time. Uh, and that way I could just have a big mouth, talk all kind of crap, because I know if I got your pop with me, I'm good. I am good. <laughs> hey, uh, tell, tell, us, uh, tell us and tell the listeners about uh, what it means and how much it means to have a family around you, siblings around you that unconditionally love you.
1: I mean, it is what pulled me through. And it, it, it continue, it, it's what keeps me moving. Constantly, you know, and, and like I said earlier, you know, I really am deep in my heart like a selfless person and I do not want to hurt them because they would do anything for me in this whole world and, and they're my support system and as far as family, like I have some friends that are like just so deep family to me and seeing them hurt was almost a good thing which sounds weird because I woke up and I was like, these people care about me. You know, these people love me. These people are like literally so hurt. And that is my driving force is to be the best me I can be for them. And knowing that adds my lowest at my, at the point where so many people have turned, turn their backs away from me. If people had something to say, you know, negative, you know, they had my back. And, you know, that's what keeps you going is knowing when you fail that they're still there and you can look up to them and you can reach out your hand, which for me, you know, I'm not one to ask for help. Like I will literally wait until, I mean, there was times I was spending my money on a bunch of dumb stuff. I mean, there was a time I spent two, I mean, all my money and I spent two weeks without a like any power because I couldn't pay the power bill, and I would not ask dad for no money. <laughs> you know, I was just like, eating Raymond noodles. I would sleep in the office a little bit. <laughs> when, it, when it got too hot, I got turn on the AC. I had a little Dewalt fan blow on me, but I was not asking dad for no money because you know, a lecture would come with it. Yes. And that's just how I am. And now I know I'm like, why would I ever think that? Because it wouldn't it be a second thought mm. to these people. And that, is like what keeps on driving me is what's made me successful is knowing that no, if I fail and I could, I could fail any day. It's just part of it. And I don't want to, but I could, I still have a support system. I still have people who are going to love me and take care of me. And so I'm going to drive and drive and drive harder. And because I want to make them happy and I want to make them proud. I'm not going to drive myself too hard, you know, like I did, but if I fell, I'm okay. If I'm broke the rest of my life, I'm okay. Cause I have love and I have those people behind
0: me. So Patrick, what, what have you been doing since, uh, you know, in this year? So you go through, you go through this, you go through rehab, uh, you come out of it. Um, you know, you you get your business going. Business is flourishing. It's doing amazing. You've been doing some giving back too. um, you know uh, what? Have what have you been doing to to be able to give back? So so you're almost pushing that message out there, so people are understanding and knowing your story.
1: Um, I mean, I honestly, the best way that I've been. I'm not no, you know. I'm not my sister. I'm not a public figure, <laughs> like nor do I want to be, and I should not be
0: at
1: all. <laughs> like that would have that that would have been bad, and I still think it could end up bad. <laughs> but, I mean, I like the camera, and the camera likes me, and all. But uh, you know, the biggest way I've done to give back is, you know, there, there's little ways, and everybody's all oh, I'm going to get on the camera and do all this, or, you know, I'm going to, like, give stuff away, or, it's, you know, whatever, is I've shown my friends and shown all these people in Tuscaloosa. I'm like, they're like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm going to therapy, guys. I'll be back, you know. I'm going to have a two-hour session today. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, I'm really emotional, and I'll tell them that, and I let people know. Like, I'm not scared of it. Like, I'm like, I know who I am. Like, you know, if you have a problem with it, with it and kick rocks like I don't care you know and you know one of my buddies was going through some stuff and he ended up going to therapy and it like opened up a world for him and you know he's a you know I'm gonna hang out with him later tonight actually and it's so great because now I've seen that my real friends first of all they accept me for that and not only that we have this like communication system now that is better than therapy because we're all open with each other Mm. and so that's how I've really just you know it was embarrassing for me what happened for the longest. And I was like, no, dude, tell your story. This is your story now. Like, tell it. And so, for me, it's like people ask me about it. I tell them. I'm like, I hope you got 45 minutes because you just got me down the rabbit hole, dude. I'm going to tell you a bunch <laughs> of live stuff about to throw it on you. <laughs> like, and you're not leaving. Give me your keys, your stuff you're listening to. Me. <laughs> and, I mean, that's just – you know, and, and I sit in my car and I think about stuff. I text people random things and I let everybody know I love them. And, you know, if I can affect 10 people around me to be better and they affect 10 more and they affect 10 more or eight more or whatever, then that's how I want to give back. And if I affect, you know, if a hundred people hear me and two of them tell somebody else, then that's all I need. You know, that make, that'll make me sleep at night, you know.
0: So how do you transition from, you know, you got all your boys and a normal thing, and it wasn't, uh, you know, what starts out as a normal thing, going to the bar, hey, let's all meet at the bar. Everything starts at the bar, then we go to do whatever. Now that you're not in that life, talk to us about, like, where do you meet your friends now? Yeah, so... um... You guys meet at therapy? (laughs) <laughs> <I'm just joking. laughs> that, baby, yeah. Let's see therapy,
1: baby. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what, what, what feelings are we talking about
1: today? <laughs> no, um, that was really hard for me. Like my friend right after everything had a beach trip planned and like they're all partiers, like, you know, but they can control themselves. And you know, like I say, like I didn't have like a bad, bad drinking problem because I was like, it slows me down way too much. And, um, you know, they were actually all great about it. And I ended up going on a beach trip with them and, uh, they were like, we're going out, we're going out. And, you know, I, it was, it was hard for me. That part was one of the hardest. It's like, I can't hang out with my friends anymore, you know? And, uh, another one of my good buddies was like, you want to sit at the house and play cards while they're up?" And so we just started doing little things like that. And, you know, eventually, you know, I have been out with them and we literally just sit there and talk. Like we've been out to the bars and I have, you know, drink water and I can just sit there and talk and. It's great. You know, like honestly, it's so good. Cause I look around, I'm like, I used to be that guy over there. God, that's embarrassing. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm like, I was him. I was him. And I was him all combined in one person. Like, why is he on the bar? That used to be me. <laughs> and that helps out a lot. Go to a bar sober and think about your past acts and you'll be like, all right, I'm done drinking forever.
0: <laughs> hey, Patrick, Patrick. I mean, you're a great looking guy. For those of you listening, Patrick, Patrick, Patrick is a great-looking dude. He always has been. He's always been that sweetheart. We couldn't even have him work in the schools because all the girls would be like, "Yo, I need some extra credit with Patrick," um, you know, hanging out with him. Uh, so if you, but and you hear his voice, I mean, the guy is pure joy. Talk to us about beer goggles and what you see now as opposed to what you see seen then, because. When you're in that scene, like you said, you think you're talking smoother. You think that you're better and you think that people are more attractive. So has that, has that helped your, your judgment? Has that helped your judgment with the, with the females too, Patrick?
1: You know, I seem to go home alone a lot more now. (laughs) I think it's a better thing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean, like, it is, you know, going in without any goggles on and coming out the same way, you're like, I start sweating sometimes. I'm like, oh, God, that was a lot. <laughs> You start having flashbacks and you're like, oh no, like you just got to get out of there. You know, (laughs) you start feeling bad. That's when you feel the worst about yourself. The way you used to act when you were drunk or Um. (laughs) hot.
0: So, so Patrick, let's, 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 uh, let's make the infomercial, right? So you, you live in a place where a man's man type of situation. And this, I think it plagues our, our whole world where, um, Therapy to a man a lot of times is, is the pointing finger and saying there's something wrong with you, and the man says there ain't nothing wrong with me. Uh, but whatever you know, and they resist the therapy part. But let's make an infomercial right now for Alabama therapy for guys. <laughs> how, how would you sell this to the Alabama man in Tuscaloosa? Why they should get? Why they should go to therapy?
1: You wanna be a man, you come to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> do you like talking about your feelings? <laughs> no. Uh, it's funny you said that because I used you know, one of the thoughts has ran through my head a thousand times. I'm like, you do not know you, you know, you're not a real man until you can walk up to somebody and tell them. That you're feeling sad today, and you need a minute. You no, know? no.
0: If we set the scene, would this be you getting out of like a four-wheel drive truck, and you know what I mean, like you getting out slow motion, and then walking up to the camera and being like, "You're not a real man unless yeah, you not like, told unless you
1: talk about your feelings," and then you have this big old like burly guy that's like, he, you know, he's sitting there and he's like, "I'm not talking about my feelings," and then hops in a Prius, like that's the way it needs to be. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: I ain't talking about my feelings. And then I'll let your electric car take off. (laughs) I I mean, for real. (laughs) You want to walk up to somebody, I mean, you're a man when you're like, you know what, I'm sad today and there's nothing you can do about it. You know, like, I'm going to therapy. Deuces.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, Now's the time to do some shameless promotion. This episode is brought to you by SqueezeDried, a delicious, no-hassle way to get superfoods, vitamins, and nutrition. SqueezeDried.com. It's also brought to you by Cardenas Law Group, a high-level boutique law firm for all your personal injury needs. That's CardenasLawGroup.com. Thank you so much again for listening. Hopefully you're continuing to enjoy the episode. What brings you the most joy now? Like when you, I mean, because obviously like you have had an experience that most people haven't, well, most people in the world haven't, I mean, you've actually checked out, like you were done, you were done twice. I remember we're talking with your pop and he said, I mean, you went cold, like, you know, and what are the little things now that you're looking at and saying like, that brings me so much crazy joy.
1: Yeah. Um, You know, friends and family always are number one, and I think I said that for the longest, and they didn't. But they didn't because of me, not because of them. (laughs) Sorry if y'all are listening. Don't take that the wrong way. (laughs) It's because I hated Um, (laughs) y'all. But, but, you know, seeing them, you know, and that I can still see them, you know, and, and I didn't well, I don't. They didn't lose me, you know, and and that I can be here in the flesh with them. That's great, and honestly, just living, man, gives me joy. And like, I've learned to find like, like the funny situation usually in everything, you know, and that gives me joy. You know, seeing my business prosper, and even when it's it, it's not prospering, I've learned to find joy in the failure, and it's those little bitty things that like literally just keep me going. it's not the money or any, like I stay away from Instagram and stuff. Now I try to, you know, I'm still on it. I gotta be a little rebel, you know, (laughs) but, uh, I mean, it, like you said, it's just finding the little thing, the positive little things. And that's what just keeps on bringing me joy, you know?
0: So tell me the little thing specifically about your mom that you love the most.
1: <laughs> well, she's so beautiful, first of all. I mean, the most beautiful woman. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Shout out, Suzanne. Shout out.
1: <laughs> no,
0: I mean. Uh, tell, tell us that little thing that, you, that's, that is about your mom. Like my mom uh, used to, she, the, she used to never cuss, never cuss. But she would use one cuss word, and she allowed me to use it. And it was like this. Shit. Like when something bad happened, she would be like, shit, you know, like you lost your job. You showed up late to work. Shit. Maybe I shouldn't have been there. And she helped me with that. That was one of my favorite things about my mom is this little woman who thinks poop is a bad word and some bad would happen. And she would be like, shit. What Man, is it about your mama?
1: I, I mean, it really, I mean, my mom's awesome. And, uh, you know, she, she's my best friend, you know, and I've always said that. And, uh, but if I like could think my favorite thing about my mom is so little, it's like, you know, how I'll forever remember my mom is Christmas and just the joy. My mom is such my favorite thing. is she's a giver, like she does not want anything. And she is a hustler, man. Like you think my dad can hustle. My mom will hustle. She'd be out there mowing the grass, you know, then go to the grocery store, cook a meal. And like, so I got both of that feeding into me, and I just, first of all, for her to be a woman and just, like, she don't need nobody. Like, she's independent. And, <laughs> and I love that about her, man. and it doesn't slow her down at all. And she, you know, she's caring, and in all that little bitty stuff obviously makes her hurt. But, like, the fact that she lives her whole life giving and, like, she – me and Hannah can be such turds all the time <laughs> <laughs> and she'll still go out of her way. And she gets so happy to like, when she spends dad's money, I don't know if it's cause she's spending dad's money, but she gets so happy <laughs> to give us something. <laughs>
0: hey she's giving except when she makes them buckeyes and then doesn't give me any i still yeah. remember that suzanne so i'm <laughs> looking for those buckeyes you made them you were there patrick you, yeah, like, they I mean, were you, all out mad about hey it. they were all out on the counter she wasn't trying to share them with the brother at all she was sharing everything else i got to use the car i got to stay at the house i got the <laughs> tickets for the roll tide you know what i mean i got everything but those buckeyes she was like you, uh-uh, you ain't coming up in this kitchen so. Well, it's because
1: you lost us the game, so we <laughs> take something. Hey, okay, You're free. <laughs>
0: okay, specific favorite thing about pop.
1: Oh man, um, you know I, I, me and Dad used to butt heads. If you didn't know, <laughs> you know we're a lot alike. Um, so basically, my favorite thing about him is my favorite thing about me, and it's I would say that his try the way he takes care of us, you know, like everything about dad is about taking care of us. The dude literally does nothing for himself. And (laughs) when he does, it's like, he gets so excited about a little Trans Am he bought that's just like falling apart. You know, just, he gets so excited about it. And I'm like, dad, that's a piece of junk. You know, <laughs> he's out there tinkering with it. Like he finds joy in the little things. Like he doesn't need big things and he'll hustle till the day he goes on. And it's like, he does everything for his family and his friends. And I mean, I think that's one of the lessons that I've tried to, like, take from dad. I mean, there's a lot of them, you know, And but that is it. Like, he does everything for everybody else. But then again, he does do the most many things for himself. Like, go get a transam that's barely running and thinks it's the coolest thing ever. Unless his hair flow in the wind, you know, <laughs> with the T-tops down.
0: <laughs> I, can see, I can see his head, like, tw- three feet out of the top of the T-tops <laughs>
1: you know that could be a show the silver fox and the t-top oh top. dude that would be great and then
0: you getting out the truck being like yo i'm sad
1: like i'm sad yeah. today you know what I mean? hey i'm sad today hopping <laughs> the Trans Am. let's go for a ride <laughs> yeah.
0: no you roll into town and you would make sure that there would be like some controversies and then you would just roll into town and it would be that 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 build-up music you would have that truck you would get out and then you would talk to everyone about their feelings yeah. You, That's that, all
1: guys, let's talk about it. Yeah,
0: let's talk about your emotions. We aren't gonna put those guns down. It would be like the A team, like you and your dad, the A team, but you'll be up in the Trans Am like Smarky and the bandit. And that, that would be that would be a good show, man. We need to pitch that show. So what, 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 Patrick, what is your favorite uh specific little thing about your sis?
1: Mm. I mean, gosh. I mean I love look, my sister and me, you know. I say that my mom's my best friend, but it really is my sister. I mean, like, uh, I've always, like, I don't follow nobody's footsteps. Like, I don't, like, you know, I'm me, you know. But when it comes to Hannah, dude, there's a weakness. Like, I'll drive across California for her. And, um, you know, I love that she's just her. And I think that's the coolest thing, you know, even after being on TV and everything, you know it's hard to lose sight of yourself and, you know, she's still the same meanness level, you know, and she's still the same sweetness (laughs) level. If there is, you know, that little bit of it, but you know, (laughs) um, and she just, the way she just keeps on moving, you know, like being in front of the like nation and the world and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, having all this turmoil that went with it and it's just like, it's still her and she's open about, I should have learned from her a long time ago about being open about your feelings. But if she wasn't a, you know, I would say she wasn't a female, I would have listened, but even if she was a man, I probably would have called him a sissy. So <laughs> like, but yeah, no, you know, I love everything about my sister. I don't think I can just pick one thing. I think she's a pretty freaking awesome person.
0: That's awesome, man. <clears throat> so what would your message What would your message be to the young kids who, you know, we talked about the people who are in the struggle, the people who are coming out of the struggle. What would your message be to those kids out there that are, you know, say they're in grade school and um, maybe they haven't found their thing yet. You know, maybe they're not good at sports, um, you know, or they're in high school and they're kind of searching. What would your message be to those kids?
1: I mean – I guess my message to those kids would be the same thing i tell myself. And I, you know, think about that, you know, writing a letter to your younger self. And I mean, this is the thing, your, your thing is not doing drugs. You know, no one's thing is just doing drugs and I go back and what something leads you there. Something has led you there. And it's because, you know, you haven't, you, you need to find your true self and subconsciously like we do, like we know it. And do not try to fit in where you don't belong. If you're a nerd, be the best freaking nerd you can be. You know, like you're not a nerd. You're cool to you and you're cool to your nerd friends. Like, what's up? What's up, man? Do it. And, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're social, be social. Like, that's you. You you know that you're social without drugs because you figured it out. Just go talk to somebody. Be a telemarketer. I don't know. But, like, you know, it's. That's not your path. That is not your thing. Your thing is not doing drugs point blank. Like someone wants to sit here and be like, I'm the best person at doing drugs ever. I'm be like, no, you're not. Cause you're doing drugs. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I heard somebody up, be like, I just wish I could do me- be like, use meth normally. And I was like, normal people don't do meth. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Because that's not your path. Like, you just don't do it. <laughs>
0: it just blew my mind you know
1: I would probably just be real cut and dry, you know and that's the thing is like there's no beating around the bush about it because you beat around the bush too long you know they're already in the weeds and honestly once you're in the weeds and that's the biggest thing because I know right when I tried drugs I was like scared to death that I was going to be in the weeds and once you try them you're in the weeds and I would just go back and just guide myself and kind of like show myself the bigger picture that like, honestly, if people don't like you for you, then they can kick rocks, you know? Like, you're going to find somebody that likes you for you, and and, and, it, and at the end of the day, if you like you for you, that is all that freaking matters. Like, literally all that matters. I had people surrounding me, you know, like I was cool. I went somewhere, people were following me, like – I thought I had it all together, but at the end of the day, I went home and I hated myself. And that was the biggest thing. And it's once I found, you know, like self-love, man, that's it. That's the message. I mean, when you find that you will thrive, like no one else, because that is so hard to find for everybody. And, I would just tell them to find that early and just figure out who you are. You really are not who you want to be. No one cares about who you want to be. Like I want to be an astronaut, like, but it doesn't matter. I'm not going to be an astronaut, but I want <laughs> who I am <laughs> is a lover. I'm a care. Like, you know, I'm a fighter like hands down. I mean, like, that's it. That's who I am. And that's who I'm going to be. And so I just tell them to find that person and just do it.
0: What, what message would you give to uh, parents out there? Um, because you went through it. You were on the other side. I mean, you had people telling you, don't do this, don't do that. Um, You had these things. You had a family that loved you. Um, It wasn't like you guys were struggling for finances. Um, You know, what, as a parent, what advice would you give to them, you know, before their child started going down that path?
1: I think the... The biggest thing, I mean, is first, don't not hear your kids. You know, listen to them. Like, like I was probably giving off signs that my parents were just hearing me, you know, and, and that's nothing else. Because I talk a lot. But, you know, listen. And they will tell you what's going on. And, like, you have two kinds of kids, you know. And I was the one that when you told me not to do something, then I had to do it. So like, you know, it was, it was hard for my parents, you know, and I had to figure out my way. And like I said earlier, it all comes down to just knowing, you know, that you're loved. And then when people, when you're so scared to hurt those people that you love, like you'll think twice about your decisions and, you know, all that comes down to is If the world would just listen to people instead of hearing them and it's it's a trickle effect, then none of this would happen because you can talk to somebody and be like, they're hearing what I'm saying, but they're not listening. And like with listening comes love, you know, and so I think that is the that is the biggest thing. That's what I try to preach my parents and which is weird because it's turned the other way, but <laughs> you know, I'm like, you're, you're hearing me right now. So we'll, we'll talk about this conversation later, but as a young adult or as a high school kid, I was like, whatever, you know, like I'm basically screaming for help right now. And I just want to be heard, like not heard, you know, I want you to feel what I'm saying. And uh, so I think that's the biggest thing, you know, cause you'll know.
0: Well, Patrick, I, I, I mean, I, I love you. Um, every listener out there, you know why I had this guy on the show. Um, he, he brings me so much joy, man. My belly hurts right now. Um, <laughs> I do have one more final question before the final question. So it's two questions. Um, okay. What's that little thing that you're going to go get like that trans am that your dad got? Uh, what is that little thing that it, you're going to go? Cause you got the same traits as your pop what is that for Patrick that you're going to be out there tinkering on that, that you're going to buy? That's a stupid purchase that everyone's going to be like, why'd you do that? But you're going to be like, I don't care that I did it because I just wanted it. What is that
1: Patrick? No, I make a lot of stupid purchases. <laughs> 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 so do I have to pick one? one <laughs>
0: yes. Yes. Give me that one. Like Give me Follow it. me. Let
1: me show you my crib. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, I guess it's not a little purchase, but you know, I'm definitely probably gonna be like a fixer upper, you know. Um What is that fixer upper? What is it? What is it? What do you want? Oh, man, gosh, I you know, I I used to think about it all the time. Uh Probably, a, a, you know, an old Mustang 68. Oh, that would probably be what I think you're on. You know, I'll probably buy a lot of other dumb stuff in the middle of it and think that that's probably a better idea to start work. I mean, I just put underglow on my trailer, on my work trailer. <laughs> <laughs> because I thought it was cool.
0: <laughs> oh, you're awesome, man. I you.
1: You know, I get joy out of those little things. Like, I'm like, you know, you see my trailer with Underglow, you're going to look at it, and you should call that number. It's really <laughs> cool. It's HVAC <laughs> company you've ever seen. <laughs> you want Underglow on your unit? We got you.
0: <laughs> so, uh, Patrick, the, the whole reason why I started the podcast is because of my kids. Uh, Maddox and McKenna. And uh, Maddox is nine years old, and you guys have very similar traits um, in the fact that you guys, literally, you march to the beat of your own drum. You are, uh, you know... You're an anomaly. It's not like you need to fit in any place. And, and I wanted him to know that from the very beginning. Uh, my daughter, she's 12 years old, and she's an artist, and she's not, she's not the, the, the sports girl, but literally, I mean, she's, she's an artist in every way, shape, and form, and she has the biggest heart um, ever. And I, I made the podcast for them because I wanted to take iconic people like yourself um, that, have, that have just impacted the world in such a, a phenomenal way. And I wanted to show them that you weren't a superhero you were a human being that had a positive attitude and had phenomenal work ethic. So what advice would you have to Maddox and McKenna? And if you could use their names, it would be awesome.
1: Yeah. Um, okay. I could talk all like, day hey, to Maddox if we're just alike.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I mean, for Maddox, like, Man, there is nothing wrong with marching to the beat of your own drum. It's going to get you in trouble more than likely, and you're going to step on people's toes while you're marching. (laughs) But that's a good thing. I mean, like, I I figured out that, you know, I'm not going to be no follower, you know, at all, you know. Uh, And it has led me to some... Situations I didn't want to be in, but it has led me to the great things in life, man. When you march it to beat of your own drum, nothing can scare you because you're at your own beat. You know, you're not following nobody, and just keep on moving like that. And like I said earlier, your beat, your drum. Know who you are and follow it, like, dude. That's what leaders are made of. Is you know, going out there and doing things your way, like for real. And McKenna, I mean. stay away from guys like me first of all (laughs) dad's over here probably shaking his head he just don't want to show me (laughs) no all right so i mean same thing i mean you said she's an artist
0: she's an artist Um, she she's she's just a she's such a sweet soul and she has so much love inside of her. And
1: um, she, she just,
0: just lights up the room, man.
1: Yeah. No, those people, you know, first of all, girls like you are what make guys like me weak and change, you know, like, you know, and, and, and spread that love. And, if you know, that's one thing I couldn't do. And if that's just what you're good at, that's your thing, you know, just spread it. Your way, obviously, I've said that, but just continue to light up rooms and spread that love. I mean, that's when your dad does it, all the freaking time, that smile on his face that he's giving me right now. I mean, (laughs) but, man, that is a trait that I wish I had, Uh, you know, and being sweet because I'm definitely, you know, not always that. And if you can – with art and everything, you know, put yourself out there like that and just show love, however, you know, it's awesome.
0: Well, Patrick, you are phenomenal, man. I mean, your story, and I'm so excited because your story is just beginning. Um, you know, getting to meet you at a very, very early age and seeing you grow. Um, obviously, I, I, was, I was freaked out when I heard um, a year ago when I got a chance to talk to your dad and I heard what, what had happened but i i dude i know um that you're here for a larger purpose and you know that and you spreading your word even the text that you sent to me man and you were talking about sending texts out to people and you have no idea how timely the words were um you know when you sent the text out to me uh, uh, it was a couple months ago and um you have you have a power man you have a power you have a joy in you um, and that joy and hey guys, if you, if you're listening right now, I'm not talking about happiness and I want you guys to understand this happiness and sadness deal with circumstance, but joy is a mindset. And no matter what hits you, you, if you have a joy mindset, you can choose to fall in love with the situation you're in. And Patrick, you have been an inspiration in that area for me. Um, being around you, hearing about you, even hearing your dad talk about you, like your joy permeates through even the words that other people talk about you and um i just i want to encourage you in that joy and i can't wait i'm so excited for the journey um and it's not some destination i'm looking for but i'm just saying being able to experience it and be in your life um you're just such an inspiration man and i want to thank you for being on the show thank you you're incredible, man. You're incredible. So now right, now's the time, guys, that you need to uh, click the link, subscribe, do all the things that you know that you need to do. We want to thank you for listening to the podcast. Um, if you got anything, you got any value, make sure that you share it with a friend, that you share it with every single person that you possibly can, because I believe that these kind of conversations can really shape and change our world. Thank you again for listening to Kelly Cardenas' podcast. Patrick, you are off the hot seat. <laughs> I'm <laughs>